0: Hey, how's it going? My name is Stephen Marks, and welcome to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. My purpose with all of these teachings is to equip you with the Word of God and help you understand your authority, your power, your victory, and mission as a believer in Jesus Christ. So you go from glory to glory and victory to victory by the power of Holy Spirit who lives in you. So enjoy, God bless, and let's get our generation saved. Good morning, and welcome to season number four of uh, the Spirit and Truth Podcast, all right? We've had an amazing run, going through Secrets to Answered Prayer, Authority of the Believer, and then the Power to Heal, and today, we're gonna press into Money Management and Stewardship, all right? It's critical, critical that you understand how finances works in the kingdom, because if you don't, you're aimlessly gonna be walking around Thinking it's bad to have money or thinking crunked things about how finances works in the kingdom. And the reality is it's part of creation. So we need to know how to honor God, how to respect God with it, because it has potential to become a God in people's lives. And therefore, you don't want to be deceived, right? The Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So if you're not equipped ahead of time, if you don't understand how these things work biblically ahead of time, you're going to come off second best. The devil doesn't play fair. He's an opportunist. He comes after you in every way, shape or form in ways you don't even think are possible. That's why it's critical that you're equipped with the word of God and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's what the Bible says is going to guide you in all truth. He's going to guide you in the things that are to come. John 16 verse 13, right? And he speaks on the authority of the Father. Everything he hears from Father, he speaks to you. And that's why it agrees with the Word of God. So, listen up. This is what I'm wanting to start off this series with. I want to go through a number of different things that actually prove you as a believer believe in biblical prosperity than not. That's what I want to go over. And the reason I want to do this is because a lot of people have bad things to say about the prosperity message. And it's simply because of things like, oh, here's a jet or, oh, you know, you, you can't buy a new car or whatever it is, which, which are ridiculous things to start off with. But I'm not attacking anyone. I just want to show that majority of Christians, even the ones that bad mouth prosperity, believe in prosperity already. They just don't speak about it and and i want to show you all right and to start things off this is what i want to do i want to come up with a correct definition of prosperity prosperity in the bible is not what we see happening in africa which is let me pray over this water then you put it in your house and now your house will abound in prosperity no that's not what we're talking about that is now clinging to things in the flesh where it's like okay now this water will make me prosperous no the Bible says, Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Jireh, it's Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the Lord who provides. Right? And yes, that only appears once in scripture when the Lord provides a lamb. But that is exactly what it's talking about. It's providing of all things, all needs. In the most critical times, he provides of all needs. That's his name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. So he is a providing God. Okay? But then the other side of the gospel, the other side of, of prosperity gospel is the poverty gospel, which is... Poverty is the way to be holy. If you're poor, you're more holy than someone who's rich. And that's not true. Because poverty, and I'm going to go through this a little bit later, is undoubtedly, according to the word of God, a curse. And so for you to say you need to be cursed in order to be holy is not only unbiblical, it's, it's blasphemous. It's blaspheming the Holy Ghost. If you think about it, Jesus was teaching on blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, when the Pharisees were attributing the power that Jesus had, right, of casting out demons to the devil. They said he casts out demons by Beelzebub, which is the prince of of demons, right? And so then Jesus said, okay, you need to be very careful because now you're attributing the work of God to the work of the devil. And when that happens, you blaspheme Holy Spirit. So you've got to be very careful. You don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit because that's, that's what Jesus says won't be forgiven. right? The Bible says, blasphemy of the Father and blasphemy of the Son will be forgiven. But blasphemy of the Holy Ghost will never be forgiven. So you've got to, you've got to watch out. You, you praise the Lord for ignorance. But the moment you know, you've got to be careful. So check at this. I want to come up with a correct definition. And that is that prosperity that we see in Scripture... All right. I'm going to show you this is God's financial empowerment of you to meet the needs of your family and to meet the needs of a hurting world. Why do I say that? Because 2 Corinthians 9, 11 and 12 say that you are going to be enriched in every way. That's often you've given your offerings and everything to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Right. Then there's a verse in Timothy that speaks specifically to if someone doesn't provide the needs of his household, he's worse than an infidel. And so I'm kind of bringing those two together and saying God's empowerment of you financially is to meet the needs of your family because you're called to provide for your family, right? And to meet the needs of a hurting world, which is you're enriched to be generous. The point of it is to become a giver. Someone who, out of the fullness of what you've been blessed with, you give. Because that's exactly what the Father did. For God so loved the world that he gave. So when you become a giver, you're now imitating God. Which is absolutely right. Because that agrees with Ephesians 5 verse 1. Which says, now children, be imitators of God as beloved children. That's what he's calling you to do. The same things that God does. Do them. Just like he did. him. If dad hammers a nail like this, you hammer a nail like this. If dad gives like this, you give like this. How did he give in fullness? So you also give in fullness, right? So there you see it lines up with scripture. Now, let's press into some other things here. The Bible. Okay. Yeah. Here, yeah, This is the first thing. The first thing that proves that you're actually probably believing in prosperity and you might not even know it is this. Number one. Galatians, uh, oh no, let me think. Uh, This is good, lines up with scripture. Absolutely, I've done that definition. Okay, this is the first point that I want to make that proves that you probably believe in prosperity without even realizing it. Number one, the Bible specifically speaks about it. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Deuteronomy 28, specifically 1-14, to speaks about the blessings of Abraham. Okay, the blessings of Abraham apply to you. According to Galatians 3 verse 9, it says we're blessed along with Abraham. And then verse 13 and 14 say Christ became a curse for us so that in him, right? In Christ, we're redeemed from the curse of the law and can inherit the blessing of Abraham. And then in verse 29, it says, if you're Christ's, you are therefore offspring of Abraham is according to the promise. So, Deuteronomy 28, 1-14 to 14 now applies to us because we're blessed along with Abraham. These are the blessings for obedience that Abraham was given. So now this applies to us, right? Because we're descendants by faith of Abraham. So Deuteronomy uh, 28, verse 11 specifically says, And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. It literally has that word. Then you think about it. Deuteronomy 30, a little bit over. It literally says... Um, For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in the book of the law. Alright, that's verse 10, verse 9 and 10. Okay, and then in Deuteronomy 7, he says you're a chosen people. And again, he talks about prosperity. In Joshua 1, he says, you know, now you need to meditate on the word of the Lord day and night, right? Verse eight, the book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all according that is written inside of it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Psalm one says when you delight yourself in the law of the Lord, you will be like a tree planted by streams of water. You'll yield your fruit and your leaf will not wither in all you do. You will prosper. Psalm 112 says that. Let me read it. Psalm 112, it says that wealth and riches is in the house, sorry, is in his house and his righteousness endure forever. What is he talking about? Let's go to verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who is greatly delighting in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generations of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. So again, wealth and riches is in his house. Proverbs 3 specifically talks about finances being in your house. Philippians 4. uh, Paul specifically in Philippians 4, I think it's 11 to 20, speaks to the support that the Philippian church had within him and then asks them to give an offering, not so then he can have his needs met because they were already met, but because he said, I seek the credit on your side right? You, when you give, something happens. Why? Because Jesus said in Acts 20 verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul was wanting that to come upon the Philippian church. And that's in line with scripture. Then Second Corinthians 9 and Second Corinthians 8, it's encouraging, generous giving. Second Corinthians 9 speaks specifically to the law of sowing and reaping, which is in line with Galatians 6. Again, the law of sowing and reaping. Third John, I think it's one verse two. It's like one of the most quoted scriptures that talks about, um, "I wish that the, that your um, that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers." Right. So he's specifically going into that. The book of Philemon written because of how Philemon was so generous, and then they were he was being encouraged to keep being generous. Acts two. There is not one needy person. Around the apostles. Poverty is eradicated straight away. Book of Malachi. The whole book is written because people weren't honoring the Lord correctly with finances. And then at the end of the book, uh, chapter 3 from 6 to 10, the Lord specifically says, When you return to me with your finances, with your, your tithes and your offerings, I will pour down a blessing too great that there isn't enough room to store. So again, the Bible speaks about it, and everyone knows the Bible is the Word of God, and you believe that. And so actually, for of first point, the Bible speaks specifically about prosperity, the the definition that I've talked about. And therefore, you can agree with it, and settle, the Bible speaks about it. There's nothing to fear about it, okay? So then we go into the next tier, which is this. Poverty... Is Without a doubt a curse and we can agree on that right as I said in the beginning Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 to 14 are the blessings of Abraham and poverty is not mentioned anywhere It's just talking about all the blessings that come upon you It says your food's gonna be blessed your works gonna be blessed every single thing you do will be blessed But then we see the curses for disobedience and this is what it says in verse 48 It says, therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and lacking of everything. That's poverty. Right? That is poverty. And then Deuteronomy 7, which is really nice. I spoke about that for the blessing of God. Because the other side of that is the curses. Right? Which is if you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I depose them? You shall not be afraid. Oh, no, wait. Um, The Lord's not starts speaking about the the curses, right? If you go against the Lord. So the Lord, your God, will do to all these people whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send hornets among them. All right. You shall not be in dread of them. The Lord your God is in your midst and great and awesome is he. The Lord your God will clear the way of these nations before you. It's amazing. The Lord just keeps blessing people. Okay. But now specifically talking about um, poverty being a curse. That was again, Deuteronomy 7, Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 30. You can read in in depth, right? It's amazing. God's God's for you, right? Literally, again, it talks about sickness in verse uh, 61. Deuteronomy 28 verse 61. It says, Every sickness also and every affliction that is not recorded in this book of the law, the Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed. Why? Because he set up already blessings and curses for obedience and disobedience, right? So people are always like, oh, why are these bad things happening? Well, more often than not, you can check your own life to see where you've missed it. Because poverty, uh, lack, sickness, disease, issues in your life, are more often than not the offspring of Satan. No, they are offspring of Satan and Sin. Right? TL Osborne said that first, I think. He said, um, sickness is the foul offspring of Sat of his father Satan and mother sin. Satan is the author of sickness and disease. Sin also opens a door to it. So when they come together, it comes through because that you've we've tied God's hands, right? The the blessing and curse exist. But that's the beauty of Galatians three Verse 13 and 14, which says we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, right? And so actually we see, ha, I don't have to go through poverty anymore. That is not my portion. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, right? So then we see in Second Corinthians chapter 8, which is specifically speaking about finances, this is what Paul says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he, sorry, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. How That's talking about finances, right? Though he was rich, became poor on the cross, so that when you come to him in the cross, he, he takes your poverty, and what does he give you? His riches. There you go. The riches of Christ. Hallelujah. So we see poverty is a curse. That's enough for today. I'm going to leave it there. The next one tomorrow, I'm going to keep going through these 12 things that prove, more often than not, that believers believe in prosperity without even realizing it. And then we're going to get deeper into the actual principles of money management and stewardship. So bless you. I love you. And I'll see you soon.